Yeah, so I've been thinking about it, and I don't think there's ever been a better slogan for um, a business or a restaurant uh, than think outside the bun. Do you have a counterpoint? Which one is that for? That was used by Taco Bell in the uh, mid to late 2000s. That's right. Was that before or after the Chihuahua? I don't remember. I don't know when they did their pivot to uh, Live Moss with the <laughs> um, the accent over the A, which is very, very authentic AP Spanish level uh, marketing job. But but yeah, uh, I forget where this came from. I, just, I put this in my um, little notes section of kind of how we start these shows because I never remember anything anymore because as we covered a minute ago, my brain's broken. But yeah, I, I wrote down at 2.47 p.m. three days ago, think outside the bun might still be the greatest slogan ever. Checks out. Sounds like a productive afternoon. You know, sometimes uh, nobody can tell that you're not looking at the main uh, WebEx window if you alt tab over, as long as you're not using an iPad. So, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might get to that someday. But have you, um, have you not transitioned to doing all your work on an iPad yet? Uh, that's probably gonna be a next week thing. <laughs> but um, still no, still still no. Yeah, anyway, I don't remember where I was going with this. I feel like this was going to be a bigger topic, but um, let's move on. Okay. I got three quickies before we get into stuff, because we're going to try to keep this to um, a tight hour 10. Otherwise, um, the listeners get their money back. (laughs) Uh, So a few things. So one, uh, there's a new startup in the Bay Area, and I want to get your take on it. I just sent you a link in, in the Slack. Oh dear! So this for the for the listeners at home, so you guys can check this out in the show notes. Um, it's a service where if you live in San Francisco or a, a big area, you can um, get a blue check uh, crest for your house if you are an influencer or public figure of note. I I don't care for this. So. I like this, or I like your reaction to this, because this is, of course, a satire. But the fact that you can't immediately tell is why it is um, colon chef's kiss uh, emoji. Because this is is fake. Yeah, when you scroll further down this page, it becomes apparent this is fake, but... Oh, yeah, because I forget what her name is. I think Uh, her last name is Baskin. but she she works in tech, but she does uh, a lot of these parody websites. She did one before for, eh, I'll look it up, but I, she had a thing where, I don't know if I sent it to you, but she, do you remember when, who, who there's an app where everybody got mad that they added stories to it. And I don't remember what it was, but then she did a mock-up of. Instagram? A, no, that, that that's when everybody loves stories. <laughs> Hold on. Like, I. Everybody was mad at Instagram for knocking off Snapchat's story idea for like a week. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we don't really like using Snapchat, so we're fine with this. You know how we've established that I don't know what TikTok is? Uh Uh-huh. I'm actually not 100% sure I know what Snapchat is either. That, I I feel like I have a somewhat better idea than TikTok. But if you put me on the spot and said, hey, explain to me what Snapchat is, I'm not Mm -hmm. really sure I could do that in a totally coherent and complete way yeah i mean that that's 
probably true. I think it's fallen off with a lot of people. I, like, I think some Gen Zers still like Snap because um, that's what they call it. They don't call it Snapchat. It's Snap. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, but I th- but I think for ephemeral messaging, a lot of that has migrated over to Instagram. So the sorry the um I'll send you a link to the original tweet uh for show notes. So the person who made it is uh, well she doesn't have her full name up here, but um something Baskin, uh, Danielle Baskin, and then there was one other thing. Where is it? Anyway, she she adapted stories uh to a TI eighty three. And it was very, it was very funny. And I'll, and if I, <laughs> if I can remember, uh, or if I can scroll fast enough, um, cause I had to give in to pay Comcast for unlimited data finally, cause I used up all my courtesy months. So I'm now paying them an extra $30 a month so I can use the internet. Wow. So that's, so that's a thing me, me and Jason Snell are, um, God roped into that. Uh, but I only have one person living in my household. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know if there'd be a way to dig into this, but I'd be curious to know how you exceed your cap. Uh, I, six, 60 megabyte raw files uploading off of the Synology into the background. Yeah, okay. Ah, uh, here it is. Um, uh, or is it? Hold on. This would be very exciting for people. Um, there we go. So yeah, TID three plus has uh, has stories now. I think it's because Insta. Uh, I think LinkedIn added stories. Oh no no, it's when um, Twitter added fleets. What the hell is a fleet? Are you not aware of this? No, I don't think so. Um, well, it's because because uh, you don't use the Twitter dot com website or the Twitter app. But on November seventeenth, Twitter added a thing called fleets which were basically self-expiring tweets after 24 hours, kind of like an Instagram story. So yes. Anyway, but it, but it led to a lot of good parodies. And I, I'm just so um, so impressed at uh, how detailed and perfect this is, because this definitely takes me back to um, like AP Calculus and not actually paying attention and having somebody who knew how to load games onto a TI-83. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh where are we? Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's mostly it. You wanna start the show? Uh yeah, you want should we start recording? Mm-hmm. Yeah, blue check homes is pretty good. You have to get pretty far down there before you, you think that this isn't like a Y Combinator startup or some bullshit that I wish <laughs> The uh, thing that actually tipped me off, which I assume is just kind of a nerdy thing to notice, but what? there's an image uh, about a quarter of the way oh, down the, the page. Yeah, yeah, it's, the, it, it was a hasty Photoshop job. Yeah, Dar- Darth would be shaking his head. <laughs> uh, sometimes when Darth is working on a really fast turnaround, sometimes I'm like, eh, this is not his best work. Yeah, but, but sometimes... He, but he, but they... he's so prolific that he, he definitely gets the pass. Well, that, and I feel like sometimes the hastiness of it, it's actually kind of part of the, the shtick, as you would say. Yeah. I do kind of hope that uh, when he does come out of hibernation, that there is one final... Do you remember? I don't know what the, the catch-all name for it would be, but he'd had the thing of outside the White House skates mm-hmm. of everybody who has uh, resigned in disgrace, resigned, or, or been fired, all that kind of stuff, holding their 
uh, banker's box full of belongings. Um, I hope there is one final one because towards the end, there were so many layers on it, which one I'm surprised Photoshop could even manage it. <laughs> and also he had to put a key on there to explain who these people were because it had been four years and people, you know, you could, you could be forgiven for not knowing, um, why, uh, Chris Christie was in a lawn chair on the outside of, uh, the white house. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Um, what do we have? Okay. So this is gonna be, a lot of this is gonna be a you heavy episode. So you, um, you signed up for discovery plus and you can give us some insights into, um, chip and Jojo reloaded. <laughs> nice. So yeah, we we signed up for Discovery Plus last Friday, which was the premiere date of Fixer Upper Welcome Home, which is the continuation of Fixer Upper with a slight modification. Do you want me to share with you what that is, or do you want to see it for yourself? Well, no. I mean, wasn't there a twist on it where it's kind of like the premise is it's like all... I could be entirely wrong about this, but it's all like needy families or people who have been displaced by something or what there, there's something, some pivot, some tweak to the show, isn't there? There's a tweak to the show, but that's not what it is. No. What is it? So remember with Fixer Upper, the show would always spend the first 10 or 15 minutes with Chip and Joanna showing people usually three different houses and then they would pick one. Oh, yeah, yeah. In this the people have already purchased a home and then Chip and Joanna come in and then do the, well, the fixing up as it were. So they kind of skip past that buying part and then they spend more time on the rehab part. Do they still do the, um, the fake drama of the uh, unexpected expense or Jojo having Google SketchUp on her MacBook explaining what the what they can do with like an extra five thousand dollars in in this first episode they had the just quintessential hdtv moment where they wanted to remove a wall it was a load-bearing wall and so (laughs) can can i ask real quick like how with is since it's an over-the-top service that doesn't have dramatic ad breaks how do they handle that because that's always the thing where they were like where chip would find something that could derail the whole renovation plan. And that led into two and a half minutes of ads on HGTV. Well, that was sort of the odd thing about it was there was no fixer-upper math. And they basically <gasps> just established it was going to be an added cost. And then they just moved past it. And there really wasn't any discussion as to what had to be taken out of the project or what was going to be done to help compensate for that added expense. Well, because like, what what is somebody going to do? Say no to them? Maybe like, actually, no, let's just scrap the whole project. We don't have the money. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so the, the the show is you know it's it's more fixer upper, which is which is cool. Um. But the the main thing I actually wanted to call out about Discovery Plus, which is something that I've hit on periodically, and I think mentioned last week as well when we were talking about these abundance of of streaming services over the past couple of years. My favorite part about them has actually really not been about the availability of content. It's been about the picture quality. Mm -hmm. You know, we are a very 
I guess, Discovery Communications or whatever the, the actual parent company name is, a heavy household, a lot of Food Network, a lot of HDTV. And that, you know, when you think about what we've historically watched on traditional cable through our TiVo, it, it's predominantly those two networks plus sports. So a lot of our favorite shows, the shows that we watch weekly are on, you know, HDTV and Food Network. The last week or the last five days, whatever, being able to watch those shows on Discovery Plus, like it's really not an exaggeration to say, like it's literally going from like VHS to to Blu-ray. Like it's uh, that's, that's, it's such a difference. That's harsh. I know Comcast uh, uh, hyper compressed HD is is rough, but VHS is a, is a... But I can I can see where it's a big difference of, yeah, yeah. It it the the picture quality is you know really nice and I I pointed that out to the lady friend and she was like oh okay. <laughs> well, also but it's I something mean, that I I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can see that. When they, but that's how how that's how they get you. If you're just gonna have chopped marathons going on in the background in 1080 all the time, then. You're gonna be you're gonna be right here with me paying an extra thirty dollars a month for actual unlimited data to Comcast. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so uh, how uh, how long are the fixer upper rebooted episodes? I think you know the same as what the old show was. So it's like just around, forty, yeah, without commercials. Exactly. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't actually strictly pay attention to what that first episode was, but it it felt like that's about what it was. Do you think that you're kind uh like I could see how it really fits for you as being kind of invaluable. Do you think there's enough of you to sustain Discovery Plus? Well, I think the big question is what the original content is like and I I have not dabbled with any of that yet. So that would be the real draw. Like I I I can't really imagine there are a ton of Food Network and HDTV and Discovery Channel and all the other networks they have on that service fans who don't already, or who rather, who don't have a cable subscription already. So they already have access to all the current content and likely the library of that content through their cable providers on demand service so that i can't imagine that's the draw um do you think there are people who are holding on to cable only for hgtv well that's i mean it's sort of it's sort of the interesting thing that i'm going to continue paying attention to which is you know we did, we signed up for discovery plus on friday and outside of watching the fourth quarter of the Lakers game on Saturday night, have otherwise not turned on the TiVo since then. So, so yeah, I, it, it is. It's kind of interesting now that easily. Well, I, sp- I mean, this last year has been a little weird because live sports have been in a odd place, but you know roughly 70% of our traditional cable viewing is stuff that's now on discovery plus. So it does, it does make traditional cable seem one more step 
or he has made one more step towards irrelevance for us, I guess. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does ultimately still come down to the thing of is cord cutting really that cost effective, which still maybe not just because, I mean, you're obviously, we talked about the um, Netflix price hikes last week. So you have 15 for that. You've got Hulu, you've got Discovery, or uh, Disney Plus, Discovery Plus. Um, we don't, we don't subscribe to Hulu. You don't have the, uh, the um, what do you call it, the Disney trifecta? No, because I did the oh, you did the Founders two Club or three-year prepaid yeah. Disney Plus thing where I'm getting it for like three bucks a month or something. Hmm. And there's no, there's no Hulu content that um, you guys are envious of or has been on your radar? I want to see that Palm Springs movie, but that's about Same. it. Same, yeah. I mean, I, I have access to it, but I, that's, that's been on my short list to watch for a long time, and it does seem to be universally liked. Yeah, and Jason Snell talks very, very highly of it, and I, I usually um, trust his opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. And did you watch any Christina on the coast? No, no. So we, we've not, we've, well, we, we've seen all of the Christina on the Coast episodes on traditional cable, and but have not... Oh, so it's not a new show? Christina on the Coast was her... I thought she said she got a divorce, and then... She, she did, and, and that... So then she had that show on um, HDTV, but then now she has a different show that's exclusive to Discovery Plus, and I forget what that one's called, but we have not watched any of that what is one week to sell with taylor spellman (laughs) i'm sorry i just googled hgtv because i wanted to clarify i remember their logo being like a really lazily constructed uh where it's just the the word mark hgtv with a triangle over it so it looks like a house um but yeah but uh, google integrates twitter uh, twitter search results and apparently there's something called one week to sell with whoever taylor spellman uh, only 761 followers. Hmm. Didn't we play a game on the show a long time ago where you came up with a yes. bunch of yeah, HGTV show titles, but then you interspersed some fake ones, and then you had me try to pick which ones were real and which ones weren't? Yeah, do I still have that in Bear? Hold on. No, I don't. I already took it out. Well, anyway, yeah. I, I think you got most of them right, but there were a couple of... Um, couple of um curveballs in there mm-hmm. yeah but one week to sell that that does why one week to sell well because it's way more interesting than three months to sell well but how is that different than the very next tweet house in a hurry <laughs> one week seems like a hurry <laughs> everyone knows you have to test out the tub house in a hurry all new tonight eight seven central see okay. if those two titles, especially put together <laughs> like that, make it seem like one's real and one's not. That would well, have been a good way to fake me out when we were well, playing also, that game. Well, also, again, we're, I, I hate that we just recycle bits because this, this show's been on so long because who can cancel <laughs> us? Um, uh, the next one is Help I Wrecked My House mm. by Jasmine Roth. Again, all this can just be like a Markov chain. Like we're, I'm not sure, how, quote, how to use California casual style in your interior design. Let's move yeah, to California. That's, her, that's done, her done deal. That's her big thing. I like Jasmine Roth's good. Well, yeah, but California Casual has just moved to Northern California. Would you describe done. your style as California Casual, Carlos? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think server closets are very in. Right. Um. 
home again with the Fords. All right, we're we're closing this. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, but you could be part of the hashtag live tweet crew of hashtag on HGTV. No, nah, I'm good. Okay. Ooh, yeah, I don't like this guy's hair <laughs> and his backwards hat. All right, we're closing this. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have anything else on HG Home and Garden Television? I uh, know. I think that's it. All right. Follow up. I don't know if this necessarily qualifies as follow up, but um, there have been a couple of, actually, there's a whole lot of, on the um, the 538 scale of smoke versus fire. Uh, there's been a whole lot of Apple Car stuff this week. And I think I've always been very, I've been an Apple Car skeptic and mostly that I just think it's dumb. But um, Ming Chi Kuo had a thing. I think he kind of kicked it off. Um, earlier in the week saying that they were going to have like some type of impressive battery technology um, that was going to be incorporated into the first Apple car that was supposed to ship in 2025. I don't have any of the articles in front of me, so I'm just making this up as I go. But um, And then there was a rumor, I think from Bloomberg or CNBC, where there was a potential strategic investment on Apple's part, either with Hyundai or Kia. And again, Hyundai owns part of Kia or owns like a, a minority interest in it. So that's kind of maybe one and the same. But you're you're more prepared than I, so you can probably offer more detail here. Well, the, those were the two the two big headlines. And I guess the big thing to add on to that, specifically with the Hyundai slash Kia part, is that it seems like the agreement between hyundai and apple is is close to being finalized so that was actually i don't know if that was ming chi kuo i don't know if he had that part of of the rumor there was a i guess a korean newspaper that reported that originally sometime i think earlier today but then cnbc came and corroborated it which sort of leaves me with the the biggest question i have right now like speculating about whatever the car itself is seems super premature i mean even speculating about something like this year's iphone is sort of a big unknown so thinking about what an apple product five plus years down the road is going to look like seems like a fool's errand Mm -hmm. but i i think that the part that's that's interesting in the much shorter term is let's assume for a minute the the rumor is correct and that apple is getting ready to make a formal agreement with with hyundai does that mean that they're going to like publicly announce this or is it just going to basically become an apple tv plus situation where for almost like two full years before apple acknowledged they were coming out with their own original content everybody knew they were because hollywood leaks like a sieve and all of these shows were, you know, were known. That That's the part that I'm really fascinated by. Because obviously, you know, Apple is, well, or tries to be a secretive company. But at Wait, the what? same, well, I mean, they, they try to keep secrets, but they're not able to. They have? Well. I've never known them to be a very secretive company. <laughs> they've tr- they, they try to be. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's obviously not some existing product they'd be cannibalizing by announcing this well in advance. But, you know, this isn't a 
original iPhone situation, which, you know, was announced in January and then I think came out like the that following June. Like this is four, five, six plus years down the line. So I, I'm just I'm I'm really curious. Again, making the big assumption that these reports are true, whether we are actually going to get an official announcement of some kind from Apple sometime soon, or if this is just going to kind of perpetuate in the current state that we're in now for for a while. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I still... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like the market is getting more mature. Like, this this might have made more of a different... Again, famous last words, or, like, not that it even matters, but... Well, so let me, let me ask this before I go into it. Do you think this matters? Like, the, the presence of an Apple car? Yeah. I, I mean, like, it's, with, it's with so all... hard... Good. It's so hard to know, because... I mean, one of the wrinkles with the CNBC report from today is that no driver. This, yeah, this car is actually not designed to have a driver, and that the first version of it's going to be meant to be sort of a last mile vehicle used for delivery services and things like that. Which is, you know, that's a very different thing than a consumer focused car. So it's without even knowing what this thing is it's it's kind of impossible to say what kind of impact or how important it is i mean i guess that the yeah. thing that i would say which you know i obviously you know we've talked a bunch about tesla on this show and there's plenty to to not like about that company <laughs> but one thing you know that i i'd say in favor of them or positively about them is that I think they've pushed the car industry in a positive direction because so much about cars historically has been just bad in terms of user interface, in terms of supporting modern technology, things like driver assistance has just been stuff that's really lagged behind where the industry could be given the available technology that's out there. And if Apple comes into the car space, and let's make the further assumption that this actually is a kind of consumer-focused vehicle, so maybe let's assume that this driverless stuff is actually not accurate. I think it's really helpful to have another player in this space to push the Fords and GMCs and Volvos of the world to continue to improve their cars in a way that I think Tesla has. Yeah, I I think the sentiment overall is true. I guess I guess my my unformed and five year premature take on this is that Apple being here doesn't actually matter because if they're not making a consumer-focused car, it doesn't have the same appeal of Apple stuff in general. So it's not going to be a high-volume seller. It's not going to be a high-margin seller because, as everybody's seen with Tesla, it's it's hard to make cars. And Tesla still struggles to make cars that meet even the basic rigors of quality manufacturing that uh, like a very low-end Honda or Toyota would. Um, certain, I mean, again, the battery technology and the electrification and also 
all the infrastructure that Tesla has built around it is very, very impressive. But the actual making a car part, they're still kind of figuring that out. But I mean, I think Tesla, again, the their CEO is a schmuck and he, he's he's probably, I would say, objectively a pretty bad guy. But they have done a lot to move the ball forward. Where Did you listen to the episode of The Daily about the Biden climate agenda? I did. Yeah. I, I think the ability, like you also probably heard that GM did their PR stunt about, hey, we're going to, we're phasing out all um, cars that are not zero emissions by, is it 2030 or 2035? I think 2035. Yeah. yeah. Like that, again, it's easy to say that where we have um, California Air Resource Board that has been pushing uh, emission standards ahead of national standards for a very, very, very long time. And they've been fought every step of the way where there was even those uh, stories in, I think, 2018, where were there going to be two sets of um, emission standards, like one nationally that was watered down by the Trump administration, but also what would hold up in California and how would that fracture the auto market? But So I guess my point is that Tesla has done a lot to make more aggressive climate change policy in the U.S. palatable because they have shown that it can be done and they've pushed the electrification of the U.S. auto industry forward in a very, very meaningful way. And I guess I don't really see where Apple fits into that because even though I dislike a lot of things about the way Tesla styles their cars and their infotainment system and a whole lot of Tesla stuff. Um, I don't think that Apple is going to somehow like, it's not like, it's not a phone. Like it's, it just, the, the way the inter like I don't, and again, maybe I would have not understood all the things that were great about the iPhone when it came out, but I just don't think I can see the advantages that they can potentially offer here that somehow make it, twice as good as a model three or what, what's what's the the polestar 2 or whatever the volvo car is or the uh the hideous uh bmw ix3 that's going to come out like i just i don't think there's anything inherently about the car that's going to make it dramatic leapfrog something else and with a car being a two-ton chunk of metal and batteries like it's it's not as easy to disrupt as maybe like a phone market again I, I i don't know anything but i don't really think this is that important or like this is this is going to be the like the third leg of the stool for apple like i i don't i just don't see it being that impactful because i also don't uh casey newton uh, i think of the verge i could be misattributing this he had a tweet of there was something about something something driverless apple stuff and then he was he said like uh ask Siri or hey Siri what's a brake or like stop the car and it's just like it was like search the web for brake pedals. <laughs> oh, <God damn. laughs> Sorry, I forgot to turn off hey Siri on my on the on the iPad. Um, but yeah, I I just don't really see where Apple fits into this where they are somehow a really important player because like I mean the margins on electric cars for Tesla are not amazing right now. So, I mean, and, and they're doing, I like, I think better than expected. And they, they made it through a lot of the troubles they had in the early days of the model three. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't see what Apple adds to this right now. And I also don't think that they have figured out, uh, self-driving like it. I just, I, I don't, I don't think that's their secret weapon. Well, and that's sort of related to another point that I've brought up 
throughout the history of the show, which is I do think one of the parts about Tesla specifically that's a little bit underrated about them is sort of how far ahead they are of everybody. And I'm not saying that it's impossible for anybody to catch them. Of course, a Ford or a Volkswagen or whoever like could theoretically catch up to them. But that's it's that's not going to be super easy. And so I think your point about a brand new player coming into the space like Apple, I mean that's doubly true for them where even catching up to the Tesla today would be a challenge, let alone the one five years from now, you know, presuming that Elon Musk doesn't <laughs> destroy the company or something. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and the one other thing that, again, because I guess this is, my, this is my be nice and charitable to Tesla episode, is that, again, they just don't get the credit for, I, I would maybe dispute part of your, 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 uh, um, uh postulating that they're so far ahead of everybody else but the one thing that they are legitimately insanely far ahead of everybody else is the supercharger network which is the biggest glaring oversight of everybody else like there's i think is a company called ev go i think mm -hmm. they're the largest um like non tesla rapid charging provider and it's it's not even close and sure you can you can hope that volvo and Volkswagen Auto Group and Audi and everybody else gets gets their stuff together um, with actually making the cars. And again, like, and it does seem like, I mean, there's that VW ID3 thing that's supposed to be cool. Um, except there was a good Wall Street Journal article about um, how, how the software is just abysmal in it. But um, yeah, like uh, they can churn out more cars, but if it's, oh, like if we now have, like, let's say they start selling really well in the market but you have people like getting in fights at the whole foods for like the two EV charging stations where everybody with like in figuring out how to plug in their car or if they need an adapter or how do they pay for it where nobody has that issue with superchargers. Like that's, that's a huge multi-year advantage that Tesla has. So I don't, again, that's another thing where I just don't see how Apple just coming in somehow I just don't see what they have because you can't build out that infrastructure in secret and they haven't figured out a way to like just throw a MagSafe puck under the car and plug it into an Apple store. Like, I don't think that's how it's going to work. See, I would, I would push back a little bit on what you just said in hmm. terms of, I think the supercharger network is an important part of why Tesla is so far ahead, but I think it's missing an even bigger point which is there's literally not a single other car company shipping any kind of EV car in volume yet. Everybody says they're going to. Audi says they're going to. Volkswagen says they're going to. Ford says they're going to. But nobody's actually done it yet. And it's, you know, how many years has it been now where these manufacturers have said, you know, oh, it's it's right around the corner. It's It's 2023. It's 2024 you know and it it hasn't happened yet and again i'm not saying it can't happen but these other manufacturers are talking a big game and not not really backing it up yet eh i mean i i no, i not that i disagree but i don't i don't think that statement will be true 
uh, 18 to 24 months from now. But like, I, feel I, like, I, I feel like we'd be having the same conversation 18 or 24 months ago, though. And we're, yeah, but we're having it now. <laughs> I just, I, you know, like, I don't, I mean, maybe the Ford Mach-E comes out and is just God, like the most, <laughs> the most popular thing in the world. Who knows? But I, I just, I don't know. I, and, and I'm, I'm skeptical until, until I see it happen. I want to see how the BMW i4 does. And I know because like there were, there have been so many false starts like GM or, or a, a GM slash Chevrolet made the, um, and I, in the, and this is, this is why I think it was such a misstep is the volt, the one that is all electric or is it the bolt? <laughs> one of them, one of them was it's, like 60 miles of electric and then it had a gas tank in it. And the other one was all EV, but it was like 160 to 200 miles. I never remember which it's, one's which. It's the it's the Volt that is the you get, you know, 25 30 miles on a battery and then the regular gas engine kicks in and it's the Bolt that is strictly an EV. And the Volt is discontinued <laughs> now and the Bolt is is the, is the is the is the car of the future i guess <laughs> way of the future yeah <laughs> um yeah so i what was like what was my point um yeah so that was like it's weird unforced errors and false starts like that where the i think people thought like the because that that was the whole thing about the volt where it was like hey for in town trips and people who live like in the city or in the suburbs like 50 or 60 miles uh sorry because the all electric range was 38 miles which for most people i mean i think if you don't have a super long work commute or if you're just doing errands around the, uh around town that's you can definitely do all ev stuff like where like i remember when i was looking at cars like the volvo um plug-in hybrid uh suv the range was like 14 miles which is like how, where where can you even go for that <laughs> um but yeah so like that's uh, that's plenty that's fine but it was in a reality where we really like the, the companies works like so because the Volt came out in 2012, maybe 2011, um, when we were much less in the days of people actually believing that climate change was real, and there was just not that willingness. And again, it to their credit, a lot of ways propelled by Tesla for having actually made, shipped, and sold vehicles that prove it's possible. Um, yeah, they, we were living in a future where we thought, okay, yeah, EV a little bit, but also, again, still gas, gas, gas. Um, but I don't know, like, there, there have been a lot of weird false starts like that one. Audi kind of uh, botched it with the the e-tron SUV, which was like $90,000 and just, just did not, like, the biggest complaint that people always had was that the charging infrastructure just wasn't there to justify it always being a second car for people, like, it's just a second car for rich people. So I don't know, like that's where I think in the next 18 to 24 months, there will be other people selling lots of EVs. Tesla will still probably be the market leader for a while, but I think enough has changed in the past couple of years that mean that the next couple of years will be more fruitful in that regard. I mean, I mean, maybe, but 
but again, like I, I, I need to, I need to see the evidence of that. And so far I'm seeing a bunch of concept vehicles at car shows and all of that, which is the same stuff we've been seeing for years now. And, and even, I mean, I'll even hold up the bolt as an example of this, even the handful of cars that actually aren't vaporware and are out there, something like the bolt. So I'm, I'm looking at, um, Chevy's site now and it starts at like 36, five, but for like 5,000 more, you can get a model Y and like, why wouldn't you just, why wouldn't you do that? So it's like, even the, the couple of other examples that are out there now, it's it's hard to hard to say why you wouldn't just give the equivalent Tesla car, but I think the I, th I think uh, Chevy is actually much more honest about pricing. Yeah, there you go. No, I, I'm look I'm look I I made it a point on Tesla's website here to to, to uncheck the, the potential savings thing, which by default is checked, which is infuriating. Well, no, not even that, but just that Chevy doesn't auto include any uh, rebates from the government. Not no, even that, like that's, bullshit. That's what this is. Well, because Tesla's one is always like, oh, well, you're going to save $5,000 on gas by charging in off-peak hours. Yeah, but by unchecking the potential savings thing, I'm, does both. I'm taking out, yeah, rebates and gas savings. Okay. Well, but the Bolt gives you a full steering wheel. Well, so does the Model Y. It's only the the new Model S and Model X that this, have the steering. Gonna, it's called a steering yoke, Carlos. This is going to be a perfect wheel. segue. <laughs> um, okay, so real quick, uh, actually, if you can just throw these links in the in the notes because this will be five seconds. So in our loss carryover, um, a couple of weeks ago, Audi announced that they are going to phase out. Um, gas-powered engines for the a4 the a6 and the a8 which are their um compact midsize and um gigantic sedans uh by 2030 yeah again it, it, people just be yeah, sure at plus a decade that's that's <laughs> fine that's uh no, nobody assumes we'll be alive by then so fucking uh yes uh by then to 2030 um cool no, when I see it, maybe they can somehow, when they take out the gas engine, they can make all the new Audis look less ugly. Um, and then there's also a link to the uh, article I was mentioning. Oops, I accidentally dragged a link in Google Docs. Sorry about that. Apple Z or how Command how, Z. How dare you? Um, it's this trackball, man. Uh, <laughs> or I should have lied and said I was on my iPad. Um, there was a, yeah, so the article I was talking about in the Wall Street Journal about uh, Volkswagen's uh, big push to become the dominant electric automaker, but that spoiler, their um their lousy software um has proven that to be a little bit more challenging. All right. Keep on EV talk or uh, mix it up. Yeah, let, let's acknowledge the Model S and Model X stuff. Oh, so it's the three didn't get this funky thing? No. So one of the hmm. really interesting things about Tesla's product lineup since the Model 3 came out, and it's sort of been further exacerbated by the Model Y, which is Tesla's two least expensive cars, the, the 3 and the Y, 
in a lot of ways were like significantly better than their two more expensive cars, the Model S and the Model X, because those cars, which have been out, you know, a number of years longer than the Model 3 and Model Y, have basically not been updated since they first came out. And there there have been minor little things here and there, but I think I've even mentioned this on the show when I was talking about a Model S that I had as a loaner vehicle when my Model 3 was in the shop, like you've started noticing things like with the Model S, how the the touchscreen is like super low resolution, um, which is not the case on something like the Model 3, which has a really high res display. So the interior in particular on both the Model S and the Model X were were long overdue for a refresh. And this has been something that's been in the, you know, electric and other EV news site rumor meal for a long time. And it it finally came to be uh, over the past week. I think, I guess, as it was on Tesla's earnings call, they they formally announced this. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's different. It's, it's tes- Tesla kind of continuing to push the envelope a bit i guess to to say it charitably to say it not so charitably i think it's them designing interiors for a theoretical future where these cars drive themselves that in reality we're actually nowhere near quite yet um but yeah, I mean, it's in both cases, and with both the S and the X, I mean, the upgrades are are significant. I mean, the 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 interiors look a lot more like the three and the Y now, and I would be super bummed if I was somebody who bought a Model S or a Model X like two months ago because <laughs> they are they're quite a bit nicer now. Yeah. So, but. If somebody was buying a Model S like three months ago, they knew what they were getting into. Like they they knew that that car is still super expensive and has not been had not been redesigned or touched in any meaningful way in like four years. Well, I and I guess that's sort of been the story within Tesla, which is that Model S and Model X sales have been way down since mm-hmm. the Model Three came out, and you know that's been, I think, in large part. A recognition by the market that you know hey you sell these less expensive cars that have much nicer interiors than these more expensive cars well um, yeah and also just kind of why would somebody like because there's very little about the model s that's that appealing because i mean it's it's basically like a um a three series versus a five series in terms of storage and capacity and stuff and as they as a, as a very young company they have learned a lot about making more reliable and like the interiors of cars which again there's still uh, as they say in business uh, a lot of opportunity around that still but (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah but the model s like it just there's no way in hell that it commanded the because to get an like an anywhere decent model s wasn't it like 80 grand well it it was but i guess the the thing to point out here is that the starting price of both the model s and the model x post redesign has mm-hmm. gone up by ten thousand oh, dollars. Yeah, I saw there was a controversy where, like, apparently, if you had ordered a car 
and your delivery date was like pushed back, but not for your own fault, Tesla will honor the original price. So like, well, hey, you're getting a nicer car, but you now have to pay $10,000 more than you were expecting. Right. Yeah, that's that's... I understand that's like it's you can't just give people away stuff for free, but that, but they've been basically not budging at all on that, which is kind of kind of kind of lousy. It's it's lousy, but at the same time, I was talking to the the lady friend about this. Like, if you're someone who's buying a Model S or a Model X, and I mean, I'll just be blunt about this: if ten thousand dollars is what's making or breaking your buying decision, it's probably not the right car for you. Because these, I mean, these are ultra luxury vehicles. So. Uh, okay. Well, one. What if well, I mean, price wise, we'll, they are. We can debate well, sure. whether they actually are. They aren't. I mean, so, but again, to your, to your original point, like, what, well, what if you're trying to be a prick on a budget? Because if you're driving on the 280 and you see somebody driving like a, like a, like a piece of shit, normally that was somebody in, um, in like a five series, but now that it's always a person in a Model S with a vanity plate. So. Uh. Again, they have. I don't know if the Model S comes with a special like, uh, like feature on uh, autopilot or navigate on autopilot that makes it makes you drive like a worse person. But maybe that is what it is. Because <laughs> yeah, in the Bay Area, mon- the monopoly on bad driving is absolutely Model S people, to a lesser extent Model Three people, mostly Model S people. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so anyway, so the uh, and also dis- disputing a little bit on it being an ultra luxury car. But I, I mean, it is again, it, it is what allowed them to Pri- make the priced model. priced like a ultra luxury. Yes, car. it is. It is priced way too expensive because I guess that's the other part about this is that like because the Model S is where they've been focusing because I don't know what Plaid is and apparently like that's the name for their high performance car. Right. I don't. I don't. Does Plaid mean something? I, I think. Don't quote me on this. I think it's like a racing term. Got it. Because the context it originally came up with with the Model S is that Tesla had made a version of the Model S that was specifically designed for racing. And I think that had the plaid branding, which I think now they've carried into their consumer products. I, I might be mixing up something there, but I think that's the origin of it. Got it. But yeah, but so, like that's the thing where the Model S was they kept always um pushing further and further towards like just in like just really, really, really insane zero to sixty numbers. But just kind of like who cares? Like, I mean, at, at a certain point, like do do you ever cause which drivetrain do you have with the Model Three? I just have the um real real wheel drive um non like non-performance version just the long range but the long range model three yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so i mean do you have you ever found that to be lacking in in torque or acceleration (laughs) (laughs) like that's the thing where again there, there becomes a certain point where the car doesn't like a family sedan which allegedly it kind of is what a model s is in terms of that like midsize like five series a6 kind of contemporary car like I don't get like where they like other than being just kind of like a maybe like a Mac Pro for them at kind of just existing but to not be purchased. I don't get who's buying the like this car that is if you buy the plaid version, if you exclude the 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 bullshit savings, it's $120,000 plaid plus is 140. Like who's who's spending 
three to four times what a Model Three costs for a car that just is just so you can be uh, extra shitty in traffic, I guess. <laughs> or what are you are you taking out to Sonoma Raceway? Like, what what are what is somebody doing with this? I, I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, so going back to the the main point of this, so we can move on because we again a tight hour ten. Um, the they redesigned it so that it looks more like a Model Three. Um, and one of the differences before this redesign between the Model Three and the Model S was one: the Model S had a um, it was kind of like a Dell twenty four inch monitor in like in like the stock trader portrait mode, so that was just jammed in the dash. So now it's much more like the Model Three, where it's a traditional landscape orientation. But it still maintains the digital instrument cluster in normally where like a, a traditional car would have like the um, speedometer and um, what's the other one called? The thing that shows your RPMs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's not a tachometer. I know it's not that. Um, but yeah, you still get the digital is- instrument cluster, which is something that they did away with on the Model 3. Something that we've speculated on the show was because they thought they were going to be able to ship self-driving, but they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, the same reason why having your speedometer and all the stuff you need to look at in the center of the car is kind of stupid. Um, anyway, so we have, they, so they, that is still there on the model S, but pretty much everything else looks like a model three, uh, now, which is, I mean, it makes sense for, um, like economies of scale reasons. And also to address the problem that the model S just, just looked super old compared to, uh, the newer lower end cars, but the, um, before we get to the steering wheel, do you have anything on that? No, I, th- I think that's that's a, a good summary. Um, I, th- I I want to see what the reviews of this. I want to see some some videos of this. But even just like the pictures that Tesla has on their website, what's what's nice about what they're showing is having the two separate screens really does have a big benefit in that with like the. Th- the model three, like I have with the single display, you know, you, you sort of share that screen between the driving visualization and then everything else, which is usually yeah. like navigation. Yeah. Like it, it makes way more sense to have like maps and media in the ancillary or like the secondary yeah. screen and your drivetrain stuff or like in all the critical information it, be either on a heads up display or on like the instrument cluster. Exactly. Although, I mean, I guess I would like the flip side of that is I have you have you test driven a Model Three or a Model Y? I forget. Uh, a Model S and a Model Three. Yeah. Okay. The, so you've you've seen on the Model Three, there is something about not having anything directly in front of you, which That's is good or bad. It, it's it's nice, like having the I... just having the road be right there. Especially with, you know, the, the Model 3 has the, you know, really sort of, I'm not a car person, so forgive me if all these terms are totally wrong, but it has a very, I guess car people would say like aggressive, like hood design where like the hood sort of like slopes down. So from the driver's perspective, you can really see the road in front of you. And that's amplified by the fact that there's no display or anything in your line of sight which which is kind of nice it leads to a nice driving experience but then again like critical driving information is yeah you know the the part that i would push back on that like so i i get that um because i am very much opposed to like very very busy um 
like gauges and dials. And that's where I do think BMW does a pretty good job of it on their digital displays where a lot of manufacturers don't. But the one knock I would have against the Model 3 which are, are the thing that I think would fix that it, that concern where you could kind of keep that good um, good road like good like forward view like and being uncluttered is if they did not have that digital instrument gauge but you had a heads up display, mm-hmm. which is not actually is that even available on the Model S? No, and now I I distinctly remember this when the Model Three was announced, like the very first announcement around it, where where Tesla didn't really give a ton of detail, but they did allow people to see the interior. And, you know, people obviously noticed right away there was just this single display with no dashboard. And the speculation was immediately like, oh, you know, they must be developing some kind of really great, you know, heads up display that they just aren't ready to talk about yet. But, but no, that, that is very much not the case and continues to not be the case. Yeah. So, but I mean, over, overall, like, I mean, if you go to the example images, either on Tesla's website for the Model S or on uh, Electric, which is a, I'm not, a, I think that's one of your favorite sites. Like, I'm not a RSS guy, but whenever I do stumble on an article from them, I do like, I mean, they, it seems like they do good reporting and they have they, per, they, fairly unbiased uh, they way do. of writing. They, they're, they're good about calling out Tesla when they need to be called out. Yeah. But going to the image, um, if you're in the uh, Model S configurator, I think it's the fifth image, the one where it shows whatever the hell Witcher is. Mm-hmm. Um, the The instrument cluster is not that tall. So I think it still maintains a lot of what you're talking about. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it's neat. I, I think the quality of materials, like it'd be nice to, in a in a post-COVID world, to touch the car and see how it feels. Because that's one of the knocks I would have against some of Tesla's stuff is that, that there's like a lot of plastic and less than luxurious feel, feeling materials for what is otherwise like a very impressive car. But some parts of it are actually very, very nice, like the, the wood crane or whatever that's in the Model 3 actually feels very nice mm-hmm. and looks very nice. So it's weird. Like it's it's a it's it's a lopsided coin with them, which I'm not sure if that's a phrase, but um so the 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 the, the you're you're the flight sim expert. Can you tell me about this <laughs> this this uh the yoke or whatever? Yeah, so I mean we're we're very much burying the lead here, which is, you know, as you were describing a minute ago, 90% of this interior is is really just to bring it up to date with the Model 3 and the Model Y. But in addition to the um, dashboard, the other big differentiator here is the steering wheel or steering yoke, as it's being called by Tesla. And I, I, I get, again, not a car person, but I, I think... Indy cars one of the one of the racing cars has this style of steering wheel which is basically taking a traditional steering wheel cutting off the top half of it and flattening out the sides and the bottom I think it's Indy car that has this um and as you just sort of joked about, this is exactly what a, a flight yoke looks like, at least in a 
in a Boeing aircraft or like a Cessna or something with a, a traditional flight yoke and not a, a joystick like an Airbus would have. And that, you know, that, that's exactly why Tesla, I guess, is, is referring to this as a, as a yoke instead of a wheel. And, you know, it, I, I would love to test drive one of these. It would be really interesting to see just what the general driving experience is. I mean, the, the two huge questions for me are, you know, if you're, a, you know, a, kind of like a, a nine to five kind of, you know, driver on the freeway, like in terms of where your hands are on the steering wheel, that's going to be a lot harder to do on something like this. So just like comfort is a big question. And then the other thing that this does is it eliminates the stock on that the, you know, the Tesla vehicles have had, or I get two different stocks, I guess, you know, one on the right side, which generally controls your um, autopilot features, and then one on the left, which controls wipers and things like that. All of that's gone on this redesigned Model S and Model X interior in favor of having all that stuff just be buttons on this steering yoke. And they're, they're touch buttons. They're not even like tactile buttons. So I'm really interested to see what that's like. And then there's, there's also apparently some, and Tesla has been a little more vague about this but there's apparently some type of like software stuff that they're doing where the car is going to basically automatically switch into different driving modes based on current conditions so i think like one of the examples i read was that if it detects that you're at home and if it knows that you're in your garage, it will automatically put the car in reverse no. when you first get in. No. <laughs> not that I don't think they would do that, but no, that's the worst idea ever. Yeah. That's how, well, we're not going to, uh, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. That's how pets get run over. Like that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not, yeah. that's not good. Um. Okay. So. With this, and again, I know you haven't gotten to the end of this week's ATP, but th th actually, if, if people should turn this off. Go listen to that because they had a very, very good uh, episode, like mini episode of Neutral after um, the god awful ending credits song, um, where they talked about this very well. So, a couple things on the steering wheel. So, again, yeah, it looks silly. And again, some of this is going to be cribbed from what they said, but the big things that point out to, that, that jump out at me and that they also commented on is. Steering wheels are around for a reason, and if you are somebody who's maybe not entirely used to this, like it's just, you're you're going to be grabbing for a, a circle that doesn't exist, and that's that's unsafe. And then with the whole switch to touch buttons, that's also incredibly dumb. Where, like, I, I guess let me ask you this: so where how do you how do you indicate turn signals? I, I actually don't know. There there has not been so there's buttons on the steering wheel. Right, but there's been no initial reviews or anything yep. yet that's described exactly how this works. So where where do you think the turn signal buttons are? I would think on maybe the left-hand side? Or we'll say, I guess, how do you signal that you're turning right? 
I would assume both buttons are on one side. They are. Yeah. Which seems worse. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't know. That's that's what that's sort of what makes sense to me though. Yeah, I mean, so they had they had the opposite, but that kind of doesn't make any sense to me because like they're just arbit like I I can't I don't know if Electrek has it, but I don't have it in front of me and I, I can't be bothered to search. But I, I can't get a high res like picture of the steering wheel. But somebody had one where yeah, it, both buttons like these aren't actual buttons. They seem like like kind of capacitive buttons. Um where it's like either like vaguely pressure sensitive or only just like kind of like an iPhone, like activated by the heat of your finger. I think, I think they are. Yeah. Which is worse. Cause if you somehow wanted to say, Hey, all the stuff is going to be on the steering wheel, like fine, great, maybe, but just you need to be able to feel around for them. And like the, the buttons for left and right, like, um, turn signals are just like, there's random like i mean there's they're on the left side of the steering wheel but like unless you were looking down at it and or after you've had like five thousand miles of driving under your belt with this car like you're not gonna know where to to like press like it just seems like change for the sake of change and that it's objectively going to be worse like i don't know and i also send you a picture so i mean you are to your point about like f1 and racing cars like flat bottom steering like so yes a lot of those like if you google um like the interior cockpit of a um f1 racing car like yeah you're gonna see something similar to that but also that's not a car that you would drive on the regular road and you're not somebody who's had two decades worth of racing experience like i i I don't see how other than just being kind of like a man child's dream which i guess is how musk makes most of his decisions is like why would it be like that because that's not gonna be the right choice for everybody else um and part of the reason why race cars are like that is because race cars are an incredibly tight fit for a driver and having a circle there would make it kind of hard for the person who uh to exit and enter the race car and that's kind of where like for sports enthusiast and like driving enthusiast cars um audi and bmw and in uh, mercedes amg have made flat bottom steering wheels but they haven't gone so far to make it kind of this weird like flight sim joystick thing i don't know like as part of a very tasteful interior update and redesign this feels like just kind of a weird thing that people who are like on what is it called like tesla owners club what's what's that one weird forum for tesla people I, 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 I ignore all that stuff yeah but it feels like something that those people the people who are making videos of their cars doing smart summon sometimes crashing into stuff like it feels like those are the people that are going to love this but i think for most other people it's it's going to be either border on fine to less safe like i just feel like why i don't know yeah you know there's a kind of an interesting thing with even it the existing Tesla fleet, including the Model 3 and Model Y, which is driving a Tesla is just totally different than anything else. So even with like my Model 3, which has, you know, basically a traditional steering wheel, but then the the two stocks on the the left and one on the left, one on the right, it's, it's just a different driving experience and well, some of this is true to like evs in general 
Well, yeah. Can I, can I bring up a super quick mm-hmm. example that you'll remember? Yeah. Do you remember there was this uh, Engadget thing at Fort Mason? Right. We went to a very long time ago. Yeah. I remember being on a test drive of a Model S, and I was confused as to why the car was entirely stopping when I took off the gas. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of the things that I I dislike about Teslas, and um, you and also the person that uh, assisted when I was doing a test drive of a Model 3 was like, yes, they finally added in software that you can um, let it coast to kind of like emulate what a well kind of you you can change the like how aggressively it slows down i guess exactly well i mean which kind of makes sense but i mean but i guess it's it sounds like it's not necessarily like i guess if you would alternate between uh your lady friend's car and this one um letting off which i which i do (laughs) would be very uh yeah would be kind of jarring it yeah it was it was hard yeah it was hard the first year i had the model (laughs) three now now well you know now i'm actually not really driving either car very much and probably driving the lady friend's car marginally more than my own car now but um in the before time stroller doesn't fit in the front it's just it turns out with a with a dog and a baby Uh they you know well Actually, if we're going somewhere with both, they they don't really both fit in the Model Three, so we're taking the lady friend's car. Was it Mitt Romney that strapped a dog to the roof? <laughs> I miss Darth. He's 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 the person who would know that. He he would know that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So okay. Sorry. You you had a thing about the coasting. It, once you get used to it, it's actually fantastic. But 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 it but it is weird to have to put yourself sort of in a different mindset when you drive a Tesla. And I guess like the best way I can describe this is like I I don't know how much you or how often you've like rented cars when you've traveled. Ugh, but I hate the first six hours of it every time. Well, but but I get yeah. I mean, sure, there's some of that, but I I guess. One thing that is nice generally is that, like, let's assume you've never driven an electric vehicle. You've you've just always driven, you know, regular cars. You can kind of just step into any car and basically know what to do. And you you have a basic understanding of, like, how it handles. Mm -hmm. But you step into a... A Tesla, and again, I, a lot of this probably applies to the like three other electric vehicles that are out there. So much, <laughs> but it, it's just it's a it's a different driving experience, and that's. Um, I mean, if if it's the only thing you're driving, it's I guess it's fine. But uh, you know, I, I feel like this this whole steering yoke thing is just like another step in that direction where. It's sort of like there's this driving experience that you generally get with basically every single car, and then there's the Tesla driving experience, which is just it's kind of it's it's weird. Like I don't know if that's I don't know if it's good or bad, but I like that you're building up to where you have to be like in the Tesla state of mind in order to like effectively enter this vehicle. Well, but but like I mean, but, but like you... but I but I'm being kind of serious, like well, with no, things I mean, uh... like the. You know, like it, I, I, I remember when I first got my Model Three, and then you know driving the lady friend's car, 
like I had a couple of moments where I was like, shit, I have to, I have, I have to put my phone on the brake. Like, you know, you really do have to sort of change how you're thinking about driving the car. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just, uh, my, my pushback would just be that the, the Tesla way of doing it is wrong. Like, I think there's a lot of other things, which is like one, if you get in, in into an, a, a pure EV, there's always a question of, Hey, is it on? And kind of like, is this thing ready to drive? Right. Um, like th- I think that's one of the biggest ones, but th- I feel like I people who like electric vehicle people have have talked about like one pedal driving, essentially, like where braking becomes like far less critical. Like I don't know. Like I just feel like that's. I I think the way traditional cars operate makes much more sense, and that that has nothing to do with how an EV operates. I don't know, like I, I do feel that. A car should mostly maintain speed, unless you're on a hill. Like if you're if you're doing that type of thing. But again, that's a, that's a personal preference. But you're but you're saying there was like a six to twelve month adjustment period anyway, or well, for you to only... think that that was the better way. No, no, that, that's not what I meant to say. It was just, it was like a year to be able to sort of like seamlessly transition between the two. I I, mm-hmm. I picked up on how my Model Three felt quickly. Um. And I, I would actually say I, I prefer the way. Well, I mean, of course, I prefer the way the Model Three drives because I mean, electric vehicles are just fun to drive in general. But I, I actually really do like the. Uh, I, I forget what they call it the the regenerative braking or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like that and the the one pedal driving that you just described. It actually is really nice. And it, it's one of those things, no, like, I get it. Like, before you are regularly doing it, 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 it really sounds kind of silly. But when you're, when you're doing it, it's, it's nice. It, it really is. But again, the, the problem is, you know, you, you get used to that. And then you go to a car that doesn't have that. And then it, it's, it's you're you're relearning again how the car handles so if you're in just the the tesla ecosystem if you're the family that's got the model x and then the model three or whatever like sure that's great but um well and well you have to figure out who who's staying in the pool house that night (laughs) exactly yeah um okay sorry to to round this out because this this got long um yeah, I mean, well, and well, also I mean, the, the last joke I will make is that wh- why is this any of the, any of this relevance that Teslas drive themselves? Mm. Okay. Mm. Uh, so anyway, uh, in the end, so we can move on. What uh, uh, any what, what grade do you assign, or what do, what do you what are your what's your one sentence thought on the steering wheel? If money were no object, I would own a Model X with the doors. I so. I I I have friends. I, I'm specifically thinking a friend of the show, Troy, here, who vehemently hate the Doors. As a big fan of Back to the Future and the DeLorean, I'm a huge fan of the Doors. It's it's actually a selling point to me of the car. Um. I I the I love the doors. I think they're the best. So, so just the model for... the, the Model X is like my absolute dream car, but it is like so far and above what I could afford. 
um yeah uh so just for my own <laughs> satisfaction i'm now googling uh uh model x doors uh crushed in parking garages <laughs> i respectfully again not gonna yuck your yum you can you it, it's all good but um gross the the, the thing that i'll i'll grant you know, like the the Troys of the world, and I guess you too, who don't like these doors. Although I don't know if you're thinking of this specific point, is obviously usually a big benefit of having an SUV is roof racks. Mm-hmm. Can't well, have that on the Model well, I, X. Well, yeah, but again, roof racks, no. But uh, I remember I sent you a picture once. So there's somebody in Southern California that I that I uh, or I, I came across a Model Three in a Whole Foods parking lot in Orange County that had a roof rack on it with surfboards. And uh, <laughs> I forgot what your response to it was, but it was not it was not a good one. Well, yeah, I um, I've actually been seeing that more often. Model Threes with the the roof rack. I have a, I have a lot of questions about that, like. It, it the Model Three does not seem like the type of car for someone who requires roof racks. Neither does the Model X. Well, I mean, you can't. You, can, you, the, you the Model X, you literally cannot know because the that's where the doors go. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The doors could go elsewhere, though. Yeah, they could, but they wouldn't. The, mo- be the Model X is the butterf- butterfly keyboard of cars. Hmm. How dare you? I'm sorry I've sullied the name of your hypothetical car that you're aspiring to <laughs> My, because you like the 1980s and also expensive. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Uh, and, well, and a car that was big enough to actually fit my whole family. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, but just got to gotta get the, the dog to curl up in a croissant and he can just hang out in the frunk. <laughs> um, uh, he He would not. This is a total aside because we you know we like to go inside baseball on this show. Um, <laughs> he he would he would not fit in there, and the reason I know is because we we had to take him to the vet today. He's he's fine, just a little ear infection. Mm-hmm. But you know, every time you bring him in there, they they weigh him. Uh huh. You want to guess how much Branson weighs? Uh, seventy two pounds. Ninety pounds. Jesus. <laughs> Oh, he's, he's, he needs to lay off the Popeyes or his chicken <laughs> yeah. diet. Um, oh, so he's yeah, he's he's Chunky he's not going to fit in the frunk. Yeah, or 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 the trunk in the he, Model Three. No, he he's making an appreciable uh, difference on your fuel economy uh, <laughs> or your range. My 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 range. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's adding to my range anxiety. <laughs> anyway, um. Yikes! All right, this is going long. Uh, Bezos, we can push. Uh, you want to real quick talk about Apple's year in review or the six colors report card? I, f- I feel like that needs to be a long topic. I don't think we can just breeze past that, can we? Okay, so then we hold on. Let me because I'm gonna I forget about stuff unless I put it in the in the yeah. You're, you're Slack doing by some, Salesforce. You're doing some very crazy things in the Slack. Uh, God, I don't know how I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about Google Stadia because that'll be real fast because I got yeah, nothing okay. to say about it, and then we can move on. Um, Google Stadia, which is uh, the only thing I ever remember. There's a service called On Live, like a long time ago, which allowed you to play games in the cloud. Um, that's what Stadia is, I think. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Google has uh, gone to uh, not caring about it. 
and they have closed their in-house game development studio like what did they shut down like obviously they're going to cancel the project in the next 12 months as as tech companies like to say they're going to sunset it but what did they specifically close down and then what are they going to shut down in 12 months well so what they're shutting down now is their internal game development studio so when they when google announced stadia you know one of the things that they i guess brought up as a way to emphasize how committed they were to the effort was you know they said in addition to partnering with third party developers you know we're we're going to make games ourselves for this thing like you know what's what's the what's the phrase dog dog feeding themselves uh, or whatever yeah yeah dog fooding dog fooding yeah um, but, but evidently they, they are no longer doing that. So that Stadia itself is still a going concern, as you would say, but well, you, you told me last week I was using that phrase wrong, <laughs> which I dispute still, but yeah, <laughs> but meaning the, it's on the way out, I guess. Right. But the internal development studio has, or is being shut down, I guess, which probably does not bode well for Stadia, which has also been sort of in question for many other reasons as well. Can I ask a dumb a side side rail question for a second? Mm-hmm. What is the thing that Microsoft, you know, the thing where Microsoft and Apple have been in a fight where they won't let them have it in the app store because it's kind of like a portal to multiple games. Mm-hmm. Is that a stadia like thing or no? Yeah. The same, same idea. So it's cloud gaming. Okay. Correct. So it's like just basically it's like a remote desktop session to an Xbox in the sky. Right. Cool. Okay. So yeah, so so with Stadia, like I guess like did you okay, so we both agree that it's gonna be shut down in twelve months? Seems to be going that way. Yeah. yeah. If I remember correctly, you bought one of these? I, I did, but I returned it before I opened it. <laughs> Why? You the just got early, bored, or you, I, the, I'm sure we talked about this, but there. Well, so there were personal reasons, and then like macro reasons. So the macro reasons were the early reviews of Stadia were just really, really bad, <laughs> um, and then the personal reasons were this is when we were doing our whole kitchen remodel thing a little over a year ago, so it it wasn't really a time to play games. So I I knew I wasn't going to be really using it a ton anyway, even if the service were really good. Mm -hmm. But then reading all the early reviews and knowing that, like, even if I did have the time to use it, it would still not be very good. I just returned it. Got it. Um, So, yeah, I guess briefly, since you're the gamer, what is the point of this? Like, what? Are you I, not I, between I like the two of us? A gamer. No, I guess I am. I again, I haven't owned a console since I didn't own any of them. I, I the last thing I've owned is a Xbox 360 that I use exclusively to play Guitar Hero, Rock Band, or uh, sorry, you were a Rock Band person. That's right. Um, and and it was barely a Rock Band person. It's just the again, yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, as the as the uh, gamer in chief here, like why? What is the alleged benefit here? Because it feels like we have a fairly solidified game market where 
Nintendo and to a lesser degree iOS games occupy the casual gaming market. Like no nobody like everybody loves like I know it's like a pandemic kind of um like uh coincidence that Animal Crossing was so big, but like that type of casual gaming is entirely occupied by Nintendo and like Candy Crush and stuff. And then it seems like other than the whole Cyberpunk 2055 thing, the Xbox and PlayStation have it pretty sewn up and that like this generation that makes sense for them for the people who are more passionate about gaming. So I guess what it in and PC gamers are their whole other thing as we've um as we talked about a couple weeks ago with your um LED filled game flight sim thing. Mm-hmm. What is the draw of Stadia then? I guess I don't I don't see the impetus for cloud gaming or just what 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 is the what's the elevator pitch on it i guess i guess the elevator pitch would be that if you're someone who wants to run a modern game at let's say 4k 60 frames per second in in the absence of something like a stadia you either have to buy an xbox series x or a playstation 5 or you have to build a crazy gaming PC, which is, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. So then like the, the dream of something like Stadia would be instead of having to spend, you know, five or 600 bucks on a, on a game console or a thousand-ish bucks on a gaming PC, instead you could just not really have any of that upfront cost or, you know, the upfront cost of getting a Chromecast and a controller or whatever, and then paying a a monthly fee to then be able to play those, play these modern games at 4K 60 frames a second, again, without buying all that hardware upfront. That would be kind of the idea. Multiple quick follow-ups. Is the monthly fee for Stadia was that paying for a game library like a la Netflix, or was that no, just to rent I mean, kind of cloud cloud compute space? No, that that's that that was one of the sort of main critiques of Stadia outside of the the tech, which was you really weren't getting much for your monthly fee. Like this wasn't a um xbox game pass situation where you're paying this monthly fee and you get access to this like crazy big library of games it was literally just like you're paying this monthly fee basically just to get access to the service but then if you actually want to play anything you've got to buy all that stuff separately just like you always have got it and then i guess my last question is that so did this work? Because I, I guess the people who, if, if you're somebody who wants to play like a, a game, like a fancy game like that, and you really care about resolution and you like that stuff, I know like the internet has gotten better, but wouldn't the input lag make that a non-starter for a lot of games? That The, the input lag stuff has actually... It's close now. It's not there for, like, I'm sure the John Syracuses of the world with a game like Destiny would not be satisfied with the performance. But for a lot of games that aren't quite so um, Twitch-focused, where you have to have these very, you know, fine, quick movements, 
it actually works relatively well. I I think my take on all of this is that technology like Stadia probably is where this stuff is going. Like at some point in the future, I don't know if that's 20 years from now, 30 years from now, whatever the number is. I think we'll look back and say, you know, oh, wasn't it funny that in order to play a video game, you had to have this box sitting under your TV or you had to build this gaming PC hooked up to a TV or a monitor. And instead, you'll be able just to play that game, which is then running on some remote server somewhere. Like, I do think that general idea is probably where we're going. But it's we're we're still not quite there yet, I don't think. Got it. Because there, there's a lot that has to be sorted out to get there. I mean, the technology has to continue to get better. And then probably, more importantly, slash the part that's further behind the technology, I think, is just the business model. So... I'm going to make a dumb hypothesis. Like, why Why did, and it's not a hypothesis, why, why did Google do this? Because this feels like something where Google, I know they wouldn't do it with Xbox. I mean, obviously they would do it with Sony. But they would do, they would just do like PlayStation Cloud uh, by, by Google. Like, because this, this isn't at all Google's core business. It's not even ancillary to YouTube or the Play Store. So if let's say they feel they have best in class technology with like cloud edge compute or something, like why wouldn't they then just let Sony be the ones who do all the like let's get the content licenses and let's get people on board and let's get AAA games and all this stuff for you and you we can cooperate and you can give us the um cloud stuff that we need and make it happen that way. I guess like why why was this ever Google's place to and to succeed have you never heard of alphabet yeah wait what i mean that this is this oh you you mean they just waste money on on shit that doesn't matter yeah i mean i mean i guess maybe the only surprising thing is that it actually was google branded and and it it wasn't branded some other way Alphabet, I mean, but Alphabet is more about, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's more about kind of organizing, like, like Waymo is a subsidiary of Alphabet, and they have, like, their Verily health startup or whatever it is. But for the most part, like, I mean, isn't YouTube actually still, like, formally, like, on paper as a financial entity, mostly still a Google subsidiary? It is, but, like, I guess, like, I mean, why couldn't something like this be an other bets thing? But but, but why should it? Though. Maybe just because it exists on Google Cloud, so I guess like my main question is why does Google need to do this? Again, this is this is my argument about most stuff Apple does. Like why why are they? What's their unfair advantage? Like why do they need to do this? Because they obviously sure they have the the cloud tech and the network technology and all that kind of stuff, but they don't. They're missing a piece. So why not partner with somebody else and maybe? It's a mutual. It's it's a symbiotic relationship with with Sony to. Well, Sony already has their own thing. They have PlayStation Now, which is their own streaming thing. Is so that, that I mean, that's PlayStation Now. What is this? I mean that that that's probably why 
there wasn't really a, a partnership to be had there. I mean, ready to play on demand on your win. Oh, it doesn't support Mac. All right, never mind. <laughs> the I mean the, the answer the answer to Google Stadia is the same answer as the Apple stuff, which is these money these companies have more money than they possibly know what to do with, and if they try something like Stadia and it doesn't work, who cares? Like the amount of money they lost is a rounding error. And but they can just move past it. And well, if it but, works, then it becomes, you know, another line of business for them. But it never does, though. I guess that's my point is that how... Yeah, but like, all it has to do is work one out of 200 times and it's it worth does, it. It doesn't, though, it because because they, they keep burning goodwill. Like, do you do have you do you understand? You know what Android TV is, right? And that's... But, but, see, but be, I don't know. The, burning, the whole burning goodwill thing, that's... To me, that's so t-word inside baseball stuff like i don't think but, average but, consumers care about i guess that. my point is that android tv has been reinvented like three times and nobody knows what it is it used to be google tv then it was android tv and then they relaunched android tv again and somehow it's kind of like a roku thing now except it's not it used to be a set-top box that was made by logitech and sony and then it wasn't like i'm not i just say like nobody buys it whenever google is making anything anymore like, unless it's an app or a new version of Android, like, nobody believes in Google to in, in the consumer electronics space. Like, what what is something that they've made that is not a service that people actually use and want? The only thing somebody can say that's kind of close to that is Chromecast, maybe only because it's super cheap. Like, the Google Home isn't even really that good. I don't know. It's, like, I, it's, it's pretty popular, though, isn't it? Not really. Like, because, like, that's the thing where, like, it, it maybe to a certain maybe T-word subset, but I think most people are just buying Echoes. And I think some 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 boomers are buying, like, Facebook portals. I don't think anybody's buying Google Homes. Google keeps trying to give them away with stuff, but, I mean, I don't think people are spending their real money on it. Anyway, to, to round this out, PS Now, as far as I can tell on the website, for the $10 a month, you get access to tons and tons of PS4 games. Mm-hmm. Like, and you don't buy them. Like, that seems already like, why would Stadia have existed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. You got anything else or Chef Specials? No, I think that's it. All right. What you got? All right. Let me send you the link in the thing. This is not an Amazon page. This is unprecedented. We are in unprecedented times. Yeah, I'm fixing it up a little bit here. So oh, carrot, carrot weather. Interesting. Um, which I know you're not a huge fan of. But I, I really a big update. I really like. Uh-huh. Got a really big update. Um, I guess this is version five now. And it's it's really good. There are parts of the visual look to it that I guess I'm still getting used to would be the charitable way to say it. And I, I guess I'm I'm not quite sure I, I like yet, but the, the information density and the layout of the information is, is just spectacular. It's really, really good. Um, it has this whole kind of like cards metaphor that it uses now where it it sort of dynamically surfaces 
various weather details that are likely to be relevant based on current or upcoming conditions so you know it'll it'll surface things like the amount of rain over the next day or the next week or it'll surface you know the the wind um speed over the next day something like that um it's 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 a really well thought out app and i i've i've been a fan of carrot for a long time and and it's it's neat to see it iterated on like this it seems cool like i mean people have been talking a ton about it and the like the ele- the elevator pitch for this seems to be like you can they he the person who made carrot weather has basically modularized it yeah where you mm-hmm. basically can kind of do like a like ios shortcuts like power user style thing where you can basically just write your own like bespoke weather app is that fair yeah you you can i actually i didn't even mention that part of it because i haven't really played with that yet but you can take the stock ui and sort of change it around however you want to which is which is pretty cool interesting um Cool. And is this, oh, um, because you, I think you posted in here that uh, TweetBot was also moving to a subscription model. Oh, well, because Carrot Weather was already kind of a subscription, right? It's, it was. It's mm-hmm. like you pay $6 a year for access to preferred weather data providers or something? Um. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. No, oh, cool. Yeah, I might give it a try again. And again, uh, the personality can be entirely disabled. It can, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have nothing this week. I'm gonna just gonna double down on my pick of having that little chime thing on your Apple Watch every 15 minutes. But other than that, yeah, no, this is a um, yeah, a zero dollar spend a week, except for the iPad. <laughs> That's a teaser. <laughs>